Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Well, I have to say, uh, the service thus far, I almost don't need to preach, uh, because uh, hearing the enthusiasm about this youth detention, I mean, it's just fantastic. So uh, I'm coming in on the back of that, and I'm really, really excited. But I'm glad I I prepared this sermon to talk about bearing fruit, because ultimately that's what God wants for all of our lives. And um, I'm just thrilled to be in Australia. As you can hear, I'm from London, uh, where at the moment it gets dark at quarter to four in the afternoon. uh, And uh, it was minus five a few nights ago, so I was on the beach this morning. Don't don't tell anyone back home, uh, but I have to say it is a joy. I am half Aussie. My great-great-great-grandfather was on a ship that sailed from London came into Port Phillip Bay, Melbourne, didn't like his captain, so he jumped ship, he got caught, got put in the dungeon of the ship, Uh, he escaped a second time, and jumped ship, swam ashore, and uh, started a family in Queenscliff, um, and the rest is history. But um, I think that experience in the dungeon was perhaps part of my inheritance, I I don't know. But I've lived in freedom all my life. Have you? I mean, honestly, it's so incredible to say that you have never been uh, akin to slavery or anything to do with someone who has been in prison. I can only imagine what it's like. But in this passage in Colossians 1, Paul talks about how we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into this glorious kingdom of Christ. And then he says that it's for this reason, he prays, that we might live our lives worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in our knowledge of the Lord, and being strengthened with his power. Now, we're already into nearly the end of January, but um, if you had made New Year's resolutions, I expect you've broken them already. They're usually broken three hours into New Year's Day. But I really believe that every New Year's resolution should be that we grow more like Jesus every single day. And not only grow more like him, but grow more in love with him. Um, I, we have to be absolutely 100% reliant on him. And if we are determined to grow in that faith, then um, we will, because God wants to invest in our lives. And I believe as the world gets darker, we have to exude more light, more love in this dark place like never before. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. And I feel this church is just bulging with the Holy Spirit, which is fantastic. So I prayed my sinner's prayer 44 years ago, two days ago. So how about that? I am in my 45th year of of following Jesus. But you know, I was so proud and so ignorant when I prayed the sinner's prayer, I did not know I was a sinner. (laughs) And that's not good. 
Uh, and that was because I didn't know who Jesus really was and I was certainly ignorant about the Holy Spirit or my need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But of course, when you grow more like Jesus and you grow in love with more of him, you realise actually how much more of your life needs to be redeemed. And um, when I spend time, as I do, in prisons all around the world, you see people there who, um, when they start to understand that there is a God out there who not only loves them, but forgives them, and they can have hope for transformation. That is why you heard the excitement at the beginning, well, 10 minutes ago. That is why we get excited about this ministry, because these people are so broken, they have had such a poor start in life, but when they start to understand that God's word can be true for them too, and they experience the power of their spirit, then their lives are transformed. I've done a lot of three-day missions in prison. Uh, I haven't spent the three days in the prison. I've gone in and out every day. But there is an incredible transformation that takes place over three days. Because if you go in for one session, the light might come on a little bit. But if you go in for three sessions, literally people start to warm up by the, by the day. And I remember once... Um, Nicky Gumbel was on a team with me. Now, Nicky Gumbel didn't start the Alpha course. He's just a pioneer who has developed it. But uh, in this, on this occasion, he was re reading from Ephesians 2, where Paul writes, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. And all the prisoners were going, yes, yes, we were. And then um, that continues, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Yes, that was me, that was me. Um, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Uh, and then he continued reading. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And they went, yes, that's right. We've been made alive with Christ. Do you know, I go to so many churches where they don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, but the response from these men was so, so powerful. And that's where we, we have to understand the power in God's word. A few years ago, I was um, in a prayer meeting in Lent. We were praying and worshipping, just going much deeper all through Lent. And we were in a prayer meeting before the prayer meeting, praying for the prayer meeting as leaders. Um, and we were asking the Holy Spirit just to speak to us. And I got one word, and the word was twitch. So I've learnt uh, when you get something to go back to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, are we all going to be twitching in church tonight and he said no it's um, an acronym so I said Lord what is the acronym and as just as quick as a flash he said T-W-I-T-C-H stands for the word in the center of your heart and if you've got the word in the center of your heart you've got Jesus in the center of your heart because Jesus is the word so on another three-day mission at Dartmoor Prison, the chapel orderly, one of the inmates, um, he always used to walk around with his Bible under his arm. And, you know, he did the uh, chairs, put the chairs out, he served us the teas and coffees. But one day I said to him, Finney, why don't you put your Bible down then you're a little bit freer? And his reply was, no, because it's the sword of the Spirit and at any time I can wield it into your life. <laughs> But of course, the word is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. All the other parts of the armor are to defend us from Satan. Another guy I know, Chris Lambriani, who spent 15 years in prison, life sentence for murder, 
And at one point he was in his cell, sort of just going out of his mind and he was kicking everything around. And then he, he saw under his bed this dusty book and he picked it up and he blew off the dust and he opened it and it was a Bible and he just started to read it and he thought, wow, wow, there's such wisdom in here. And that night he put it under his head as his pillow because he thought, I want what's in here to go into my mind. And then the next day, he stuffed it down his tracky bottoms, so he had it with, with him all through the day. Now, I could tell so many stories, but I've only been given a very short time. So I can only introduce you to two of my friends. Um, and uh, let me first of all show you a picture of Eddie. This is Eddie. Eddie uh, spent most of his young life in uh, children's homes, he then went in and out of youth detention centers and then in and out of adult prisons. He was a severe alcoholic, he had hepatitis C, uh, and he was slowly perishing. He was, this picture was taken because he was living on the streets. And he was a very, very broken man. And he came and he enrolled on our Alpha course, but he was so drunk and so disruptive. Sometimes when you have someone in that category, you can't actually look after them very well because the rest of the group disappear. So he tried one Alpha course, didn't quite work, tried the next one, still very drunk. But on the third one, he was sober enough to stay with us. And as you know, all halfway through the, the course, there's a day away or weekend away to talk about the Holy Spirit. One of the team laid a hand on him, prayed for him, and he experienced the love of Jesus, and his life started to turn around. And this next photo is Eddie again, and this is Eddie on mission. You might have heard of Skid Row in Los Angeles. It's where all the drug addicts live, and um, it's, it's not a good place to be. But some, one of our Connect Group leaders, two of them, they're both consultant psychologists, their home group at that time was all broken people like Eddie, drug addicts, um, people with serious psychiatric uh, illnesses and things. And that was their team they took to Skid Row. And Eddie and the others taught the local pastors in Skid Row how to run the Alpha course with the homeless there and the drug addicts. Isn't that amazing? Next uh, picture is um, I took Eddie with me to Germany. He'd never been on an aeroplane, and as we came into land, he went, look at all the houses, and look at all the streets, and it was amazing. But the first thing we did when we arrived um, with the pastor was we went to this uh, heron den, and that's Eddie talking to two of the heron addicts, giving his testimony. I'm not sure how much they understood, because he's got a very, very broad Scottish accent, but um, he just wanted to meet people straight away and tell them that their lives could be transformed. And then the next picture is, um, I don't know how many of you are on um, social media, but um, this was on my Facebook page. And I have to say that picture has had more response than any other single photo I have ever put up uh, on Facebook. This, this is actually me dressed as a clergy person, um, and the other person on the other side of Eddie is Paul Carley, who has helped pioneer the prison ministry. But we needed someone that day to carry the cross, and Eddie was so proud to have been asked, and that's him carrying the cross. And um, do you know his job now is he runs a homeless shelter at night time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, come on, let's give Eddie a clap. 
Is that bearing fruit? Yes, he is bearing the most extraordinary fruit. But we needed to be patient with him. We needed to pray for him. We needed to believe that God could transform his life. So the next person I want to introduce you to is a man called Shane. Now in London, uh, England, uh, in the Home Office, we have a list of the most terrible, violent prisoners in the country. And Shane was one of six on that list. He actually tried to murder two prison officers, which obviously is a complete no-no and um, <laughs> understatement. Um, and he spent um, three years in solitary confinement in a cell where he was completely locked up and there was a, a hatch that they had to unlock to put the food in um, to feed him. And if ever he came out of his cell, it required seven armed officers in full riot gear, um, helmets, right, everything, to, to guard him because he was so big and so strong. And then after three years, he was released from what they called the block and uh, on, went onto the wings. And one day he, was, um, he found himself in the chapel. And he sat in the chapel and he started to listen to what was going on and he thought, oh my goodness, this is something to do with God. What would God want with a scumbag like me? So he was about to get up and leave halfway through the session and they were about to serve in the break, teas and coffees. And then one of the volunteers said, don't go, don't go. We're serving chocolate biscuits as well. He said, I'm staying. <laughs> he stayed because of the chocolate biscuits. And he went back the next week and the next week for the chocolate biscuits. Um, but on the Holy Spirit day, he was prayed for and experienced supposedly nothing. At the end of the afternoon, went back, because you always experience something, don't you? Thank you, I'm glad you're laughing. Um, <laughs> went back to, the, to his cell, and then God spoke to the chaplain. This is why we need to hear and listen and tune in with the Holy Spirit. And God said to the chaplain, go and unlock Shane and bring him back to the chapel. I want you to pray for him again. And the chaplain said, God, this is shame. Yes, said God, I want you to do this. You have to be obedient if God speaks. So um, he unlocks Shane, brings him back to the chapel, and he literally just gives him a few Bible verses and says to, to Shane, you need to give your life to Christ. And do you know in prison you can actually be quite bold like that? And so he leads Shane in this faltering prayer. And at the end of uh, the prayer, he, he puts his hand on him again and, and prays for him to be filled with the Spirit. And on this occasion, Shane talks about this bubbling feeling that starts in his belly, comes up and up and up. And then as the Holy Spirit starts to manifest, he starts to uh, cry and sob and sob and sob. And he sits there just bawling uh, for quite some time. And you know, men like this do not cry. They are tough. And then the chaplain hands him a Bible and says, you're gonna need this now. So he takes him back to the wing and uh, all the officers go, here comes Shane, watch out. And they're standing almost to attention because you know, they didn't know at any point if he could just fire off. And Shane comes in and goes up to the, the first officer and he says, Jesus is real, Jesus is real, Jesus is real. And they're going, whoa, what's happened to you? But do you know, he was a Saul who became a Paul at that moment of conversion. And within weeks, he became the chapel orderly. And at the end of his sentence, which was another 18 months, he left prison. He met this young woman 
uh, Samantha, who's tiny, he's tall, as you can see. Um, he married her, and they've had five children. Next picture, please. And the children are called um, Angel, Grace, Jacob, I Isaac, and Elijah. Uh, <laughs> And at Christmas time, before they go downstairs to open their presents, they stand on the landing and they thank Jesus for Christmas. Now, how many of your kids do that? I bet they're up before you're up and they're opening the presents, but that's what Shane does. And um, he is a remarkable man. I said to him, I took him on his first prison visit um, to give his testimony. I'd never met him. All I had was the newspaper article telling me how violent he was. So I was a little nervous myself. And the chaplain was very good, very open, said, yeah, you can bring him in. So he came in, gave his testimony, and uh, uh, virtually everyone in the chapel gave their lives to the Lord. It was incredible. And then I took him on more and more visits. And then I said to him, Shane, you need a, to, to get a passport. He said, I've never had a passport. I said, you need to get one. So he didn't, um, because he didn't need one. And then he got an email from an um, uh, organization in uh, Uganda saying, would you come to Luzira Maximum Security Prison? We want you to give a TEDx talk. So he emailed me and Paul Carley, and, and there's another guy in, in our office, saying, I've never been on an airplane. I have no idea how to get there. Please, can someone take me? So being a woman, I thought Paul would go, or this other guy would go, but their diaries were full. So Paul said, you take him then because I was actually ordained in Uganda. So I said, okay, so next picture, please. This is Shane and me. Oh, no, this isn't Shane and me at the airport. This is Shane and me at the prison ministry conference. Thank you, this is us at the airport. So someone had to bring him to Heathrow Terminal 5 because he didn't know the differences between terminals 1, 2, 3, and 5. Anyway, tube, tube, our tubes, you know, is a bit muddly. But he arrived, and then when he checked in, he got upgraded. And I was like, Shane, you've been upgraded. And he said, what does that mean? So I said, you've got a bigger seat, you know. So anyway, we got to Uganda, and he was, he, every day he'd come and knock on my door, and he'd say, what should I wear today? And I would tell him, and first Sunday we went there, we went to the prison, and he, he met all the lifers, and he couldn't believe the conditions in that prison. But then on the day he, he came in to give his TEDx talk, there were about two and a half thousand prisoners in this huge yard, about 500 dignitaries all sitting in huge chairs, um, including the, the justice minister. And he spoke 15 minute testimony. You could have heard a pin drop. And at the end of his talk, because it was the coffee break, Literally, I thought every prisoner in, the, in, the, in that area were going to come and sort of mob him. They just wanted to stand with him and shake him by the hand and said, if God can change your heart and your life, maybe he can change mine as well. Um, so, um, and then um, the next picture is of my bishop who ordained me. He came all the way down from northern Uganda, from Gulu, to meet Shane because he'd heard me talk about him uh, and he wanted to meet him. So um, Shane today, uh, it's not easy. He lives in the town where all his criminal friends live. Uh, it's not um, a piece of cake. And that's why, um, let me say, if you don't feel called to come into prison, please pray because all of us can pray because um, it's only going to be prayer that keeps Shane out of prison. He's been out now, uh, his oldest child is 15, so he must have been out for about 16 or 17 years, which is miraculous in itself. 
but you know the enemy at any time could just tip him up and he could end up back inside so we can all pray for these people but we also pray because I know more stories where men and women in prison have seen and met Jesus in their cell and or angels who've come in and met with them as well um Oh, I wish I had longer. But anyway, how do we bear fruit? Well, first of all, we bear fruit by learning, sorry, leaning into Jesus and loving him and his word. Then we need to learn and be transformed daily from his word because we have to have our minds transformed every single day because otherwise we get so weighed down by the world, so weighed down by the news, whatever it might be. Let's get refreshed daily by God's word. And above all, let's be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because this work, um, you need uh, courage, you need boldness, you need energy. You know, I have got up at three in the morning to drive five hours to go to the northwest of England, given all three Holy Spirit talks and driven all the way home another five hours and got home at 11 p.m. at night, exhausted, but excited because I've watched the Holy Spirit at work. And if we do these things, then we will bear fruit in every good work. We will increase in our knowledge of God and we will be strengthened with all power by God's glorious might. And it's this power that gives us endurance, patience and joy. Amen. Keep going. Oh, oh. You sure? 100%. Oh my goodness. Well, shall I tell some small stories then? Yeah. Oh. Online, please join us. <laughs> so, okay. Um, 1994, when the Holy Spirit was moving in great power all around the world, I fell in love with Jesus in a way I have never experienced the love of Christ before. Now, as you can see, I'm quite a sensible person. You know, I don't do, well, do I, Liza? I don't do abnormal things. But um, when, um, uh, on this occasion, I was prayed for, I had this, what I call the googly feeling in my tummy. I literally fell in love with Jesus. And I had this cry that came from deep within my belly that went, whoa, Jesus! But not once, not twice, but every sort of five minutes. And I became known as the whoa Jesus person. Um, and at the time, I just put out my hands like this saying, Lord, I love you so much. I don't mind where you send me or where I go. And that Sunday, um, Ellie Mumford, who is the vineyard pastor, also preached in our church. And the ministry was just... Well, it was just chaos. There were bodies everywhere. There was laughing, crying. It was wonderful. And then someone came up to me and said, God's told me you should go to Toronto. I said, I don't need to go to Toronto. I've been so blessed. And they said, no, no, no. God's told me you should go. So four days later, I was on an airplane going to Toronto. And um, John Arnott, who led the Toronto Blessing Revival, was on the stage the first night with... Um, no, the second night with all these nuns. They were dressed in their habits, so you knew they were nuns. And um, I've had such a heart that God would move through every denomination. You know, it doesn't matter what denomination we are. God loves people. He wants us all to, to know him. So after John had prayed for them on the stage, he asked all of us where we were sitting just to reach out a hand. And I was sitting quite near the back. I was reaching out my hand. I would say, oh, Lord, this is great. Bless these nuns. And then the spirit fell on me. 
And I started where I was sitting to do my woe Jesuses. <laughs> so eventually John, went, uh, John, John Arnett you know, finished praying and then he went, um, who's that over there? And someone said, oh, it's Emmy from London. Bring her up here. So I was sort of <laughs> brought up laughing. <laughs> and uh, he said, do you normally behave like this? And I said, no, normally I'm quite normal. But then, do you know what happened? I became like a Canadian uh, cowboy and I had my lasso and I was going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just wanted to lasso you all with the Holy Spirit because I knew this experience of this powerful love I was experiencing. I wanted all of you to, to receive it as well. So um, I came back from that trip, flew in on a Monday and um, Monday was the day I used to go into Holloway Prison, which is the women's prison in London. I thought, should I go and rest? No, 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 let's go to the prison. So I went to the prison and um, there was a lady called Mabel who I used to see every week. She had had a baby in prison and um, uh, that, that Monday I went in, she was lying on her bed and she was in pain and she said, I've damaged my back, other officers and other prisoners have had to care for my baby. So she could see I was really excited about this Holy Spirit experience. So she said, come on, Emmy, pray for me, because she, she was a believer. So eventually, you know, if you've got a bad back, you, you have to move really carefully. So she sat on the edge of the bed like this, you know, tense. And I laid hands on her, prayed, and asked her how she was doing. No, nothing's happened. So I left her sitting on the edge of her bed, got to the door of her cell, and she said, um, aren't you going to go and tell the other women about your experience? And I said, well, I, I know you and I have a relationship with you, but I haven't really met the other women on this wing. I think you should, she said. So I came out of her cell, walked down the corridor, quite a long way, actually it's almost as far as going to the back of, of this room. And there were about 12 women in this sort of communal area feeding their babies because it was about four in the afternoon, tea time. And I wasn't planning to do this. But again, when you're filled with the Spirit, sometimes God gets you to do things you aren't planning to do. And I stood in front of these women and I said, listen, everybody, the Spirit of God is pouring out all around the world. And suddenly, Mabel had appeared from her cell behind me and she was jumping up and down going, my back, my back, it's healed, it's healed. And we all looked at her and we said, that has to be God. We has to be God because we knew that she barely could move. And then every single woman, I hadn't met them, asked me to pray for them. And one of the women said, when I got to her, um, I said, how can I pray? She said, I'm being deported tomorrow with my baby, my son, to Nairobi, but please could you go pray I go to New York City? I said, why do you want to go to New York? And she said, well, I got my son here, but my husband and my two other sons live in New York City. So I said, fair enough, I'll pray. This was my prayer. Lord, I don't know how you're going to organize this, but please make sure this lady is on the plane tomorrow to New York, not to Nairobi. Amen. That was my prayer. Then I moved around, prayed for everybody else. And then the next week I went in and I, you know, Mabel was fine, her back was strong. And I said, rather sort of lacking in faith, I said, did you ever hear from that lady who was deported last Monday? Yes. Uh, Tuesday, she said yes. I said, what happened? She was at the door of the plane with her boarding pass, to Nairobi, and then an official came from behind her and said, you're on the wrong flight, follow me. Took her back up through to a different gate. That plane was going to New York City. 
She was handed a new boarding pass and she got on the plane and she went to New York. Do you know, I still didn't quite believe this story. And two years later, I was in another prison giving my testimony and telling them the story. And one of the women in that prison put up her hand. She said, I know that lady. She is happily living in New York with her son and her husband. I, bet, I better stop there. But, but, but my point is, we need the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills us, nothing is impossible. Look at Eddie bearing fruit. Look at Shane bearing fruit. You know, let's, let's believe 2024 is going to be a year where this church bears so much fruit that the whole of this area is just impacted. So let's stand and let's ask the Spirit.